Welcome to the Life is a Ceremony podcast by Petiti Institute. We're inspired to share practical insights to engage everyday life as an evolutionary journey. Every moment is an opportunity to practice. If you would like to send us a question or a comment or a donation, you're welcome to visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. In this episode, Roman Hannes discusses our true nature that goes beyond appearances into the timeless source of innocence and creativity. To remember the childlike nature of the beginner's mind with self-parenting awareness allows for freedom from disempowering habits and awakening of our highest potential. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here with my really dear friend, Simon, and we are going to do a talk on fatherhood as an evolutionary journey today and just share different perspectives and experiences. And Simon is expecting father. I just uh, had my second one about three and a half months ago. We'll share a little bit. I think it's going to be good for children, fathers and mothers, Mm -hmm. and hopefully a lot of contemplation insights and we are learning ourselves all the time. So Simon would love to hear. A little bit yeah, yeah. Thanks for making time to, to jump in and talk about this. It's been a journey so far. Chanel, my partner, is almost eight months pregnant. So we're coming down to the end of the wire. Anything could happen at this moment. And it's been, an, it's been a journey of a lifetime <laughs> already. And we don't have the kid yet. So part of my exploration in the past months and during this whole pregnancy has been connecting and touching base with other men and other fathers to ask for advice and ask for mentorship and and wisdom and, and hear their life experiences. And I've just noticed that the information that I'm receiving from most of the men I talk to is all over the place. Like there's not a common thread necessarily with all the men that I've asked and talked to. And that makes me think like, one, we don't know what, what we're doing <laughs> and we're just winging it. Um, <laughs> two, you know, we're not talking about it. We're not sharing about it and creating spaces like this to actually connect and learn and become better fathers because of it. So I'm really interested to hear your experience in terms of what it's like to be a father and, and what it, what it was like for you transitioning into fatherhood. Um, But also, yeah, I'd love to just dive into like this void. There's this void in, in our culture, at least in in my culture, where we don't have a lot of support for fathers. I've realized we have a midwife and a doula and it's still very focused on the mother, which makes total sense to me because she's carrying, you know, she's doing all the work, she's carrying the baby. But, um, other than reading books and preparing to support her, there's not a lot of resources out there for me at least that that I've stumbled upon. So um yeah, what was your experience like become in the in the becoming a father process? Hmm. Yeah, it's something that I've also been struggling with in my own journey not having so much communication around this subject, not having people that I could relate and open up to about it. And of course, a lot of feedback like you said all over the place and I found that a lot of people had no clue and then through the fatherhood in a way 
suppressed a lot of themselves mm -hmm. and just disconnected from the world. And to me also, it was a very challenging experience, even leading up to the birth, I agree with you, it was very challenging because a lot came up for me. A lot of things from my own childhood and how I want to be a better parent to my children than my parents have been and all those expectations from myself and feeling like maybe I'm not ready for that. For many years, I've been trying to reconcile and my journey, my healing journey and working with both Buddhist psychology and Jungian psychology, the indigenous traditions was focused around reconciling of the relationship with my own parents. And it was very healing in that regard. And then of course, coming myself to become a parent, that was quite a shock to my system. Because it's one thing for me to work through my parents. In the indigenous traditions, the real parents are the mother earth and the father son, the universal parents. We come through our parents, but not from our parents. And then there is this encouragement to see our physical parents as human beings first and foremost, and not to expect them to be perfect. Mm. And that was great, you know, in terms of me being a child, that was great. But when it was my turn to become a parent, then, you know, in a way, all hell broke loose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, my wife was pregnant for the first time and leading into that. And I just had so much that I was going through and really trying to reconcile and see how I can prepare myself for that. And of course, it's not possible to prepare. And yeah, I had some experiences that helped me, but I could not have imagined what would happen. Mm -hmm. And even though people were telling me about that, you know, people were saying to me that you become a parent, that's it. Your yeah. life is over. The world <laughs> is over. Life is over. Like say goodbye to your friends, your say goodbye to your health and your body and your sports and your hobbies. Right. And absolutely. I thought, okay, I have some experience with intense experiences, ceremonies in this kind of situations where my whole world breaks apart with meditation. And there is this term by Emma Chodron, this famous Tibetan Buddhist teacher who says there is this dynamic of meditation is ruining my life, where it's not really that meditation is ruining my life, but just becoming aware of all the things that are not working in my life that I have been hiding from before. And as much as I thought that I was prepared for that, I was not. So then when my child was born, it just became painfully obvious all the ways that I cling to my comfort zone and how I want things to be a certain way and how I have very ingrained habits of living my life in a way that I got used to mm -hmm. and not caring about what else and who else I have to consider in that regard. And of course, with a child, my life is no longer mine. So I have to give up everything that I have been developing, all of the coping mechanisms and all of the ways that I've gotten used to having my own space and my own time and needing to give that all up. And then I 
did experience a lot of struggle because of not having that support structure, like you said, for men. Yeah, and yeah. I want to I want to touch on that because do you still feel like you don't have you're not able to get much time for yourself? Because I'm going into this being like, I can still do this. I could carve this out. Like, that's just, you know, un unconscious behavior by other men that just give it all away. But so am I in for a, a rude awakening, thinking that I'm still going to be able to have time and space for myself? You know, I think that it may be different for everyone. And for me, there was definitely a rude awakening. <laughs> and I also think that I kind of set myself up for it because for years I've been really uh, working on exposing my own elaborate self-deception and obviously having blind spots and yeah. there are many layers to that. And so because I've been working and preparing for that, then when it happened, then in a way I, I was asking for it. True. And I don't think that it made it easier, but it made the process more conscious for me, where I could not really be in denial about it mm. and hide from myself in, in that regard. I had a friend who some time ago, he asked me, well, how's fatherhood going to be? Because he was also expecting a child. And I told him, well, you know, honestly, all of the ayahuasca ceremonies that I've had and all of the intense experiences that I've had in my life, they were just a teaser in comparison. That's my, friend just, my friend just hung up the phone on me at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like doing the same right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't think that it's like that for everyone, but I did ask for it. So I have prepared myself to go into this journey in as honest way as possible so that I don't perpetuate my own conditioning onto my children. Mm. And so I made that very serious intention before my child was born. And then, of course, I had to be humbled because I saw that, yeah, I cannot be a perfect parent as much as I want to. Mm -mm be a perfect parent, I have to take that same indigenous wisdom to heart in my own experience as a parent to see that my child comes through me, he does not come from me, and there are those universal archetypal parents, the son, the father-son, yeah. he shines impartially all the time. I cannot shine all the time. I go through my own breakdowns and my own dark places and I have to take that into account. I am a human yeah. being. <laughs> totally. Like I completely hear you on that. I feel like that was a big missing part in my relationship with my father. You know, I think I only saw him cry twice mm -hmm. in, in our lives, maybe three times now, but uh, having him not expose what was really going on and lead by actually going through it and, and being able to be witnessed in it, he hid from it all, which made me believe that he was some sort of God and nothing happened to him. Um, and then that intrinsically made me believe that I shouldn't have issues because my dad didn't, mm -hmm. you know, and then I'm always suppressing it when it comes up. So like, I feel like being able to go through and not shine all the time is showing your 
children and your sons, like that's part of being human. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Absolutely. Accepting that is, is a struggle that a lot of us go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And that was a big part of my process to really reconcile that and to come to terms and open up and see that, yeah, this is an evolutionary journey. For the indigenous people, we are always children of the universe, no matter how old we are. There's a great advice that I got from one of our Tibetan teachers, Dzong Sarkyan Rinpoche, and somebody asked him, well, how are we supposed to raise our kids and how are we supposed to discipline them and how are we supposed to work with them and still go through our own process? He said, the best thing you can do is understand that everything that you're doing with your child most likely is wrong. And you should do it anyway, but with that understanding. Yeah, we have certain ideas in our society, how to raise children, how it's supposed to be. But then, yeah, it may not be the wisest approach. Is that because Mm -hmm. thinking that we're doing it right limits us to other other possibilities and, and openness to be able to like adapt? Absolutely, because children, they are great teachers. Yeah. My children are pointing to me when I'm not being in complete integrity with myself, when I'm trying to pretend or act some kind of a role instead of be a real human. Mm-hmm. And that's what they really need. Another teacher of ours, I found that also very meaningful. He shared the best way to engage with children is to really see them as friends. They come into your house, they come into your household, you take care of them, you make sure, of course, when they're very small, the basic needs need to be taken care of. But then they are their own people. They have their own tendencies, their own talents, their own experiences, their own passions, and it's not something for us to impose on them. But to really work alongside with them and really make sure that, yeah, I can share what I find useful, I can encourage certain things. But I have to acknowledge that they are their own human beings. And that's so essential. This teacher says, so yeah, they are guests in your house. Then then don't the best thing you can do is make sure that you are a good host for them in a way that they will want to keep coming to visit in the future. <laughs> After they leave your household. Yeah. They're not like beelining it as soon as they, they're able to. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So that's something that I've been working on cultivating with my kids and especially my older son. He is now three and a half years old. And definitely he is very much his own person. Hmm. He definitely has his own inclinations and how he likes things to be, especially at this age. And yeah, I can work with him. Of course, we do have to maintain boundaries and we do have to keep him safe and in certain ways he's learned a lot how to keep himself safe and not fall down and i had to keep an eye on him for the first two years every step of the way and then gradually yeah he knows how to take care of himself on a physical level and now it's working on emotional levels and other levels and how to engage on the level of emotional intelligence and not scream no every five minutes. And actually 
communicate and encourage and see that emotions and crying is part of their ability to process energy. And it's very essential and it's not about just shutting them up. And that was also a big, big part of my healing process. When my, when my older son, when he was just born and he was a very demanding child. Also, I've been learning that it's not always like that. With my second child, I was terrified. When my wife was pregnant, I was like, if he's going to be like the same way as the first one, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. But the second one, he turned out to be actually very calm and very quiet. And I hear that also is often the case mm -hmm. that the second child is much more harmonious. Uh, the first child was a lot more attention demanding and screaming a lot. And he would send me, he would propel me into my own breakdowns. And that's another thing that is on the side of the women, they have all of those oxytocin and all of those hormonal changes that make them more intuitive and receptive and patient and being able to embrace the child. But for me, at first, I realized how much it did not happen in my own life, where I was screaming or misbehaving and I was punished for that. Yeah instead of being allowed to work through the energies, to harness and channel those emotional energies. And then seeing how I may have this screaming child inside of me that I've never fully embraced. Mm. And then have been hiding in all kinds of coping mechanisms, just not wanting to deal and not knowing how to deal with that. Yeah. Wow, man. That's an amazing, like awareness to bring it back to and it's something I was thinking of when you're sharing that because I mean currently that's what's coming up for me also is this like awareness of where I can't hide anymore the demand on on me and the responsibilities that are being called or calling me forward now are like not allowing me the space to play it small or to hide even though I'm still trying to <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, luckily my partner, and I'm sure yours is as well, you know, helps the pointing out process and like, and let, and helps you see your blind spots. But man, I'm just seeing as the due date arrives, you know, closer each, each day and each week, how much more I'm like, not going to be able to hide. And that's, and I can relate to you with, in terms of like, you know, being punished for, acting out and being bad and, and not really being held or allowed to like process the emotional behavior or the emotional um, hurt that was going on in the moment. And um, I can see that playing out already where I'm, I'm already like, you know, where's my, where's my attention going to come from? Like who's going to, you know, focus on me when I'm outputting so much. And then I feel guilty for even thinking that this beautiful woman is like, carrying a baby and is about to go through labor and then there's going to be this little baby that we need to take care of like i shouldn't even be considering where i stand in all this um, so that's something i wanted to bring to you because i think a lot of men go into this being like i don't have a place in this anymore and we give our leadership away to just serve 
And I'm curious, like how that went for you, because for me, that is really important to me. And, and <laughs> please like verbally slap me if I'm way off, off here, but um, I really want to like step into this and lead my family in a way where I'm, you know, I'm bringing energy, but also leading by taking care of myself and bringing new energy into the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's a big part of it. And then the leadership I find is the leadership of that willingness to go through the challenges, mm -hmm. right? Not avoiding or denying and running away and then acknowledging each of our limitations and also each of our roles and then how we can communicate with each other. So my wife, she has been an amazing leader in this process just by tuning into her own intuitive wisdom. And of course, she's been having her own challenges and I've been trying to be as supportive as possible, but she has been just an amazing role model for me of this consistent selfless dedication. I mean, she, from the moment the child was born, just holding the child all the time and sleeping with the child on her and being with the child sometimes 24 seven and wow. to me that's inconceivable so she has given herself so completely to the child and then i was inspired by that to do whatever i can to support her because for the first two years the mother is everything to the child mm -hmm. she is the whole world the whole universe to the child and whatever the child needs, he screams for mama. There's not so much attention on the papa. And then the main leadership I could engage with is to be of support, is to provide the necessary conditions. Hmm. Our uh, midwife in Peru, she's native Peruvian, and she studied with a lot of the indigenous people. And then she would prepare us for the birth. And then she would say, okay, what does the rooster do when the chicken is laying eggs? The rooster is going around the chicken and is making sure the chicken is protected. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's holding that space. And both of our births were at home. The second one I delivered myself without a midwife recently. No way. And because the midwife was late. She didn't come in time and I called her and I said, listen, the head is crowning. And I don't know, are you coming or what? And then she said, okay, Roman, are you ready to catch the baby? Go catch the baby. Go catch the baby. And she just hung up on me. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I've had an experience the first time where the midwife helped me catch the baby. And then the second time I was able to do it all by myself and engage. But the first time my wife was going through it and was screaming and moaning through the labor. And yeah, I was willing to do anything to just hold space and make sure that she's prepared. And I did not know. So she told me, okay, maybe I'm going to birth in a tub. So then I went and we had this inflatable tub and I spent an hour trying to inflate it and fill it with water with this rusty tubing. And then finally she said she doesn't want to do it. 
but that hour of trying to deal with that tub was very healing for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was very therapeutic because because I felt that that was something that I could really support. Yeah, you had a job. Right. And so I find that that has been a key for me is to really engage in the best way possible and to see that, okay, the mother, she is everything to the baby, but I can support the mother in whatever way I can. And then make sure that she has all the things needed and I can go and get the supplies and the food and mm-hmm. make sure that the house is stocked and that she has her space and maybe give her a massage session. But to really be in the role of leadership as a steward, as a support. And I find that that has really helped me. Because sometimes, yeah, I want to also have some recognition or attention, but then seeing the level of her selfless dedication. And then that's been very humbling for me. Hmm. So then in that way, I could really step into my own power to truly be of support mm-hmm. and acknowledge ways that I cannot. And everything in nature has that uh, sequence. And then now my older one, he's three years old. And now we are spending a lot of time together and we go on three hour bike rides together and do a lot of things. And so now he is gradually transitioning from his attention on the mother to his attention on the father and we are bodies and we are wrestling together and all of those things. And so it's all part of nature's design, I feel. Beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. I can't believe you caught caught your your second child. child. It was an amazing, it was just a miracle. It was the most miraculous experience of my life. Just catching him in my arms and him coming out and I felt the spirit just wash over me and I've never experienced that degree of bliss in my life. Wow. Somewhat overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what you're saying, and I'm fixating on this, but what you're saying around like creating time for yourself or making sure that you still maintain your sense of self through this, what you're, what I'm hearing from you is, really getting out of the way that so you can support your partner and the baby, especially early on, is how you find yourself. Mm, definitely. Yeah, the Lama has the saying, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in service to others. Mm-hmm. And I find in my own experience, yeah, of course, even though I wanted to transform all of those habitual patterns in my life, they're still coming up. A lot of them are ingrained and then struggling with that and having this rigidity. No, I want my own space. I need my own time right now. I need to go in seclusion and not being able to. And then gradually and seeing that, yeah, this is that breakdown I've been asking for. I've been asking for my personality shell to be decomposed. Mm to be composted and it doesn't make it easier, but at least knowing that that is what is happening and allow myself to be with that struggle 
and cultivating whatever supportive mechanisms I have developed over time in meditation, breath work, Qigong. I know that you love to do the cold dives in the ocean. I think that that's awesome. Because mm -hmm. yeah, it also helped me to go into a cold shower once in a while <laughs> when I would get really emotional and I would I would need to get over myself. I would get really flared up. Oh, what about me? And I'm important and all of those things. And actually, it was just this kind of self-absorption that was on its way out. Yeah. And yeah. the less I would play into it, the more I was able to work through it. I feel that as you're sharing that and starting to think about the there's this neediness within me that wants this space for myself so that I can still have the two opposing sides. So there's like me over here, but I don't want to, I, I don't know if I can be this guy always and in this place. So I want to keep these little rooms for him to perform in when it's like, if I can be my full authentic self with my children and my family, like that's going to be the most like fulfilling experience I could ask for. Then I don't need specific space to enact those patterns or those expressions because I'm authentically myself always. I mean, of course that's going to lead to like, you know, different habits and, and patterns and conditioning to come up. But I think for me anyways, I see that, that line where, part of me still wants to hide and make sure that 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 part of me is protected. That's why I'm so attached to how do I do this without losing myself? It's like what I'm hearing is become yourself always and allow that to be seen. Yeah, that's very true. And it's not something that can be forced. It's a journey and there's a lot of evolution and maturation that is taking place. And I agree. It's this sense of separation. Mm. Okay. There is, this me that is separate and this is me that needs his space so that I can function somewhere else. And then there is all of this separation that is taking place. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely experienced that. And then gradually dissolving those boundaries and including my family in my experience. Yeah. And then that is my life. That yeah. is my space. And instead of me needing to run away into a corner somewhere, I can actually embrace what is happening and not have this kind of wall between me and the world around me. Mm. Man, that is huge. Because when we started this conversation and we, before we jumped on, we were talking about like this experience where I've asked all these different men in my life, their advice on pregnancy and, and their advice on birth and, and becoming a father and, so much of it was like, your life is over. You don't even know, get, have your fun now while, while you still can. And um, uh, there seems to be like a more collective story around this where we're, we're wishing or wanting to hold on to this separate separateness. What do you think that is? Cause that's huge. I, I, I've joined even like a bunch of Facebook dad groups and trying to like, dig in and see what men are going through. And a lot of this seems to, seems to be the case. Yeah, yeah. And it's true in a sense where the life of that personality that has been developed 
over time, this personality that is me, me, me is geared to me, me as this kind of character who I've gotten used to being, where life is all about me and it's revolving even when I'm in a relationship, but still there is this kind of like, there's me, there's my wife, and we all have our own things and we have our own likes and dislikes and our own interests and suddenly that has to be sacrificed. And this conditioned ego doesn't go without kicking and screaming. And so I found this capricious child, what about me? <laughs> me, me, me. And then breaking down and not being able to hold on to that. Mm. And then actually, okay, well, I can continue to hold on to this me. Or I can actually willingly go through that process and see that, yeah, it's not easy. And a lot of those habitual patterns are breaking down and a lot of the ways that I've gotten used to living my life and having my relative sense of comfort and peace and things like that, it's no longer available. And then there is this raw essence underneath that. And this raw essence is something that is not unfamiliar territory, which is great if you look at the process of evolution and transformation. If you look at this kind of frog that likes its abandoned well, there's this Taoist story, you might have heard about it, where there's this frog that has lived all its life in this abandoned well. And this frog, he gotten to know every nook and cranny of that well. And he got really good at jumping and somersaulting and doing all kinds of tricks inside of that abandoned well. But at a certain point, it was a very miserable kind of existence, very boring. There is nothing else but that. And one day the frog was sitting on the edge of that well and he saw a turtle from the deep blue sea passing by and the turtle invited him to go and join her in the deep blue sea and the frog asked well do you know everything about the deep blue sea and the turtle <laughs> said no <laughs> it's vast and mysterious in that particular story the frog got scared and jumped back into the well but the story represents this kind of monkey mind where everything is figured out. I know how things should be and how things are and how I, I like the things and I'm miserable in that. But the sense of comfort kind of overrides the misery, at least I'm comfortable. And the mystery, this kind of breaking out of all of those habitual patterns and this monkey mind and awakening the heart is not comfortable but there's so much freedom in that, so much spaciousness. And so I find that it's this process of coming out of the monkey mind and opening the heart and breaking down all of those shells, all those armors and defense mechanisms that the personality has built. Yeah. That's that friction that I'm feeling these mm. days. And I appreciate your perspective on it because there's this fear of, breaking through this because I don't know what to expect because I've never been there before. But then there's this deep desire to go there because it 
I'm so curious about it and so feel so ready, but there's, I'm, there's this attachment to what I do know and what has been working, but there's no way I can possibly hold on to that through this transition. So it's, it's a, an experience that I could have, nobody could have told me about that would have fully prepared me, obviously. And I'm still not there yet. I just, I love your perspective in terms of just being willing to experience life in the moment and constantly showing up for service and with curiosity. Mm. I think curiosity is something that, especially in my journey in terms of becoming a father, is really kicked in in the last month to two months where I, I can see the, you know, baby on the horizon. It's real. It's like definitely real. We're nesting and I have hormones. I feel like hormone shifts in my own body, you know, and um, just, yeah, just so curious about how I'm going to show up through this and like what I'm capable of through this experience. That's what's sort of, that's what's motivating me to bring more wonder into our relationship. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that it's this leadership that you talk about and it's the leadership of willing to evolve and willing to go through the experiences and the challenges and the breakdowns so that there is evolution that is continuously taking place. So that there are breakthroughs on the other side of that. And I find that the mutual support among fathers is really essential to really encourage each other to keep going through the hard places, to keep that there is light on the other side, because that's something that I find that my life has prepared me in a way to know that there are breakthroughs on the other side of the breakdown. Yeah. And yeah. for a lot of men who are telling others, so your life is completely over, just forget about everything, it's going to be you know gloom and doom on the other side, and you cannot do what the, all the things that you love to do. And then just to know that, no, that's not true, that there is something beyond this habitual grasping personality. And it's really beautiful and it's really amazing mm. experiencing these deep miracles. And of course, there has to be this gestation process in the dark womb. Mm -hmm. And this dark womb of our own experience where, yeah, I have to experience the struggles and the hardships and all of these habitual patterns that are holding me so tightly. And I have to get real with myself around that so that there is a gestation of the heart essence that can be born from that dark night of the soul. Mm. Without the darkness, we wouldn't appreciate the light, but it's good to know that there is light when we are yeah. in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so on that point, have you had, like you said, during the experience of having your children, you didn't have that much support. Do you have it now with other young fathers or, or young families? Is that something that you've seen as being common in your circle? Well, you know, in terms of me not having the support from other men, but then there was support of the meditation experiences and the indigenous traditions and seeing how children are raised. And so, of course, in the indigenous traditions, it's a very different story where it takes 
a village to raise a child. Yeah. And I resonate with that very deeply. Because then it becomes so much more meaningful and fulfilling. And so, yeah, our community has been there a lot of times through my struggles. And so they're not necessarily parents, but then them being around and sharing the experience and me being able to be vulnerable and share my processes and my challenges and then ask them just even to lend the year to listen mm -hmm. and to support in minute ways. But then that's been really helpful. And then, of course, all of the different teachers in my life that could remind me about that, that yeah, actually, this is a universal process. Of course, the children, they just become really powerful teachers of that. Mm -hmm. Life itself is a great teacher also. Yeah. And we go through that in different ways. But with the child, it's just not possible to avoid it anymore. It's there in my face. You know, the child is showing me all the ways that I cannot fully step up and be unconditional light of the father-son. And then needing to really see that in order to open up to that archetypal universal quality to be able to channel through me. Because, yeah, I cannot do it myself. It cannot come from me as this limited personality or this limited being. But I can keep working on being a channel. Mm -hmm. Being this, the indigenous people refer to it as the hollow bone that the spirit can flow through. And for that to really be a channel, I have to let go of a lot of my own preconceptions and hang-ups. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good stuff, man. Like, what do you think is essential for men that are either in my position or... Because I want to recognize, like, you've been doing a lot of work for the past 20 years and constantly and consistently showing up with practices and pushing yourself and getting out of your comfort zone. So, like, I'm sure you called in exactly what you needed and you were asking for it but a lot of us are not you know and haven't necessarily taken those conscious efforts to test themselves or to get into discomfort or they don't have the community of teachers and mentors that you've cultivated in your life so what would say a normal guy in western culture find for support when there isn't a lot out there well, what you've been doing in terms of having the men groups and having this encouragement to be vulnerable with each other and the inspiration to share about not just about the nice things in life, but to really be open and to show up to one's experience. I find that so meaningful, mm. especially today in this in our society of fake book likes, I call it where everyone are pretending that everything is great and then everyone are miserable and thinking that they are the only ones. Yeah. And so that is really essential, I find, this vulnerability, this openness, and to share in the struggle because that's what is allowing us to relate to each other more deeply. Yeah, I feel separate. I feel isolated. I feel miserable. But then if I can recognize that I'm not the only one, 
then suddenly this sense of separation actually becomes a bridge that unites us. Yeah. And suddenly there is this greater heart that is awakened and we can support each other. And there is this nurture vitality. We tap in into the power that is unlimited because we are no longer just grappling with life on our own. Yeah. Of course, yeah. we all have our own responsibilities, but then knowing that, yeah, I'm not the only one who have my own responsibilities. And then there are people who have gone farther on the path than me that can share that th there is something meaningful there, that there is something beautiful there. It feels like it comes back to that willingness to open up and find your people and actually lead that's the leadership I'm talking about, but leaving by being the one that asks for help or asks for support and mm. asks the questions that other people aren't asking. Because once you do, then that's when the light can come in. Mm -hmm. But if we're in the darkness, like you said, and we're keeping the door closed because we think we're the only ones that are in it, then the light can't come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. That's the experience that I see in many people who just are not used to like you shared about your father just mm -hmm. completely locked down and no i have a certain role to maintain i have this responsibility i have to be this certain someone and then not allowing oneself to transform to evolve and then of course all this pent-up pressure and emotions then create a lot of problems in life we would love to have some questions or comments insights realizations coming through and let's see well people are commenting that it's nice to have some honesty someone commented if your father was not god there would be other things to work out how he lost control and how he did not make you feel safe it is always something then um, my wife of course appreciated me actually giving her some credit nice <laughs> that's why we did this whole thing <laughs> <laughs> I admit I may not always be so vocal about, but I am extremely grateful. It's got to get and this man on, on the big screen. And someone said, beautiful contemplation on the roles of parenthood and inspiring each other as parents and as partners. And I feel like that's also essential to talk about is how we can inspire each other as parents and as partners and then sometimes in moments of my own breakdowns and thinking that I'm doing a miserable job at being a father and, and my wife would actually share something positive and I would share something positive with her and would just let me see that instead of just being hooked by all of the negativity to really open up and see that yeah there is that that spark of motivation there is that brilliant seed of love and why do i feel miserable is because i love my children so much and so to really focus on that love rather than let it be clouded by my misery mm -hmm. has also been really essential to work through it yeah do you use that love as leverage when in times that you're like feeling down or feeling like you're doing a bad job yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay, well, 
yeah, I'm going through a breakdown and I don't know what to do and I'm being overwhelmed and my children are screaming hysterically and I don't know how to handle that as well as my wife does. And then I have to learn how to be with it. Mm. Sometimes there is no place to hide. I have to find a motivation to be with it. Yeah, it's extremely overwhelming and challenging. And then I have to focus on the love that I have for my children, the love that I have for my wife or my family. And then that allows me to to pull through those experiences. And like I said, often it's the self-imposed limitations that I just got so ingrained. Like, oh, I cannot handle. When the scream gets, the pitch gets to a certain point. Yeah, I cannot handle it. But actually breathing through it and then gradually seeing, no, that's a self-imposed limitation. I can actually open up to the experience and be with that. So that's been useful to really focus on the motivation and keep coming back to the love that I have for my children, for my family, for life. Yeah. Purpose greater than myself. If I just do it for my own sake, I cannot handle it. Then my old character comes in, right? This capricious adolescent that just wants to throw everything and run away. And then I come back to that greater motivation, a purpose greater than myself, this love that is greater than myself. And then that allows me to really be with what bothers me. So that's a big one. That is a big one. Yeah, I find that always trying to change what's bothering me (laughs) has uh, resulted in way more suffering than being like, I don't need to let this bother me. I can just uh, like accept it. Mm -hmm. And I'm already noticing more of that, even like poor Chanel, but like her whole experience, you know, there's this, she's been asking for things and I'm like, Oh, you know, I need to set a boundary here. (laughs) I got to say no to these things. And then, and then then it's gotten to the point where I'm like, why would I say no to that? She's like this, you know, pregnant and creating this baby. Like, I don't need to get annoyed by a, a request for something. Like I can just do it and be happy to do it. So mm. I've noticed all the, a lot of these little like annoyed sort of weird behavior coming up. Like, no, I don't want to do that energy. And mm. I'm like, that's gotta, that's gotta go before baby's here. <laughs> because there's like poopy diapers and vomit and, you know, a million other things that I have no idea that's going to probably annoy me. And if I can't handle showing up in that capacity, then I'm going to be tested. Mm. Yeah, uh, someone asked, how can we as women support our men in fatherhood knowing that we ladies don't have extra time? That's another part of it. And also something that you mentioned. Yeah, you know, and at the same time, the partnership, there has to be clear communication. Mm -hmm. And also the willingness of both partners to continue evolving. Because another pattern that I've seen sometimes in other parenthoods and relationships and also in our own is this kind of tendency, okay, I can just hide behind certain excuses that have to do with children. And also to keep ourselves accountable, both me and my wife. It's this kind of monkey mind that wants to create some excuses. Well, you know what? I don't want to work out or I don't want to 
you know, work on myself because I have children now. And then it's a downward spiral from there. The support also comes from clear communication and accountability. Yeah, it's understandable. My wife needs to take some space. Sometimes she needs to take a bath and a shower. And I need to hold a screaming baby. And and then, yeah, if, if I just keep saying I cannot hold a screaming baby. And <laughs> I do have a tendency to do that, to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but then to keep holding each other up also through the evolutionary process. Yeah. And make sure that it's like, yeah, we have certain responsibilities mm-hmm. and we can also support each other through that and find ways that we communicate because it is a family unit. Man, it comes back to that, the willingness again to show up in, in each moment and be open because... What I can see happening in my relationship without the baby or the pregnancy, this like idea that I need to have it figured out, like I need to know what I'm doing and and know how to be a man and know relationships, you know, like this idea that I have to have it personally all figured out is what's blocking me from deeper connection with my partner because Mm -hmm. I'm not allowing her into the process and the process of discovery that has to happen day like day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So we, we yeah. go into the relationships and we're like, we know relationships, but we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to pretend that we got it all figured out as it unravels, you know, but I, what I'm hearing is like how, how important it is just to keep communication and check in and like be both willing participants in the, in the dance. Oh yeah. That's a huge one. So it's great that you're bringing it up. Because another part of that process of parenthood is that we may not always see eye to eye with my yeah. wife how to raise our children or how to engage with their tantrums and how to go about it. And so the communication is so essential. And then learning how to find the middle way. Okay, my wife, sometimes she has a certain view about how to deal with the child and she did read a lot more books on the subject than I did, I have to admit. And for me, it's a lot more about kind of learning how to work with my own previous experience and with the indigenous traditions and with the intuitive connection. And with my wife, sometimes it has to be by the book. And for me, it's not. Of course, we alternate sometimes also. But then learning how to find a middle way. And yeah, we definitely had fights on that subject. Where it's like, she thinks it has to be that way and I think it has to be this way. And then, okay, well, let's find the middle ground here. Yeah. How to engage with the situation. And then she would encourage me to read something. And then I would actually read it through my resistances. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and then I would encourage her also to try something that is not based on the book or you know we hired the sleep specialist at a certain point when it was time to train our child our older son to fall asleep by himself when he got older and without the booby in his mouth I did not resonate with that specialist and she was kind of militant and my heart would just break down like she would tell okay you have to just 
put him in his crib and then step out of the room and just let him cry and then there's the cycles that that the brain goes through like every like certain minutes you can go in and check on him but i cannot do it like this by the clock and yeah i understand there are cycles but there has to be also a connection that yeah we're not against each other here mm-hmm. and then working alongside and so i would go into the room and i would meditate with my child and i would just sit there and of course he would like scream a lot and say okay i cannot help you right now i want to be with you and support you but obviously i cannot help you so i'll step out for a second and then i would step back in and he would know i was there and then just by me sitting there quietly in the room i would help him to fall asleep and that worked a lot better in my experience than this militant approach of like leaving them and we had to find a middle way throughout our processes yeah i i totally agree man and i i like that i think that's huge advice for me moving forward because um i also like bringing different information to the table and then we're obviously going to have that conversation but the finding the middle ground is 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 huge because it goes both ways you can either be mm-hmm. passive and just let go of things that when you have an intuitive feeling towards them or you can be just too direct and bulldoze over someone and and disregard what they're bringing to the table. So I've got to get going. Mm-hmm. And man, that was an amazing conversation. I learned so much. And what stuck out the most for me is the willingness, just letting go of and allowing myself to sit in the experience and experience it without running away and without having to change it. Mm. So I'm yeah. curious and I'm, I'm going to share a lot more um, moving forward in the next few months about my process and how it's going um, live because this is an amazing opportunity for me also to just go through this process consciously and with like mentors such as yourself supporting me and, and giving me some of those little clues along the way. Yeah, so- another way that we can really continue this conversation and keep having series of these conversations I think can also be helpful for men in our community and for women my yeah. wife says, for the record, she would never let her kids scream that long. I agree. We, we did not, but uh, there were different techniques. And yeah. yeah, it's really this human connection and encouraging each other and opening to each other and having a dialogue. And then seeing that, yeah, we can support each other through that vulnerability and openness. And this natural spark of love that we all have for our kids, for our partnerships, relationships, and just this child of the universe that is always within us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, thank you so much, Simon. And I look forward. You. I love our conversations together. Likewise, and, man. Uh, I always look forward to it. So let's keep them coming. Um, we'll be in touch out of, uh, outside of this, but thank you for everybody else for listening and tuning in. And hopefully we brought some some wisdom and information that you enjoyed yeah much love to everyone thank you all so much thank you simon and we look forward to seeing you soon take care of yourself and each other will do thank you much love to you and your family man thank you you too much love to chanel (laughs) okay yeah definitely share our love with chanel i know it's a it's a challenging time right now but yeah it's 
it's a beautiful journey. Yeah, well, she's doing amazing, like incredible. Like you said, it's inspiring to see her go through this process and just how she's a beaming light through most of it. <laughs> mm. Anyways, love you, brother. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening to part one. Now we will continue to part two, where Roman and Simon continue on the topic of fatherhood. All right, here we are. Again, Simon, great to see you here. Thanks, brother. Round two. So this is Roman and Simon. And we're going to have a second part of our talk about fatherhood today and all of the challenges and all the blessings that come along with that. So, Simon, you want to go ahead and introduce a little bit? Yeah, man. Thanks again for making space for this. I know that you had a, a bit of a journey going home to Peru, and uh, you still made space for this, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll give a little introduction about myself. I'm currently, well, we are currently almost eight months pregnant. So, we all, you know, we're coming down to the to a month before, or it could happen anytime now or I'm really going to be a father. And I've been reaching out to mentors and, and other men that are in fatherhood and asking advice. And Roman, you came to mind right away. So I'm really trying to learn about how to show up. What can I expect? Um, what will I never know? What will I, you know, only know when it happens? And, and also like how I can support more men on this journey moving forward. And that's part of the organization that we've created called the Verity Foundation, which is an organization based on supporting and empowering men to step into their greater potential. And I'm seeing this huge void as I've gone through pregnancy and I'm becoming a father, I'm seeing this huge void in support and awareness around how to consciously step into fatherhood. So, that's led me on this journey of reaching out and, and asking more questions because yeah, I'm, I'm not surrounded with the support or the knowledge and I wasn't taught how to consciously lead as a man or as a father. And that's my journey right now. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. I have two kids right now. One is three and a half and one is four months old. And I heard this joke a while ago when somebody's asking four year old child, how old is your father? And the child responds, he's four. And they said, how can he be four? Well, he said, he only became a father when I was born. So he's four years old right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm three and a half years old right now. I'm a three and a half year old father. And there's a lot to learn in that subject. And I agree with you. I also haven't seen a lot of conscious information out there in preparation for fathers. There's quite a bit information for mothers and my wife did amazing with that. She prepared a lot and she got a lot of empowerment and support. And I had to utilize a lot of the knowledge that I have from life experience and from the spiritual path and then to integrate that into the journey of the fatherhood. And so then gradually, of course, nothing can really prepare for that. And at the same time, there have been a lot of different experiences in my life that have helped me create points of reference and to see, okay, well, this is where I get overwhelmed and this is where 
I feel like I don't know what to do in this situation or in this situation, I feel like I'm really frustrated and I don't have uh, space for myself and I'm at the end of my line. And then to really have the tools and the practices and different perspectives to see, okay, well, actually this happens to me when I engage with different tasks and responsibilities, not just with children, right? And then how do I deal with it in other situations in my life? So definitely it's been helpful for me to have different points of reference to bring into fatherhood and to call myself out on that, to be able to recognize when I'm going through something. I love that. Yeah, man. Like I can see already that energy that's coming up for me around, oh no, I don't want, don't want my child to see this or is this pattern still going to show up? Like, how can I, in the last round before my child comes, how can I like cleanse all of the stuff that I don't want to bring into this? And I've come into this realization that like, that's the problem with how I was raised and the conditioning that's rampant in our society is that we're so focused on what we're not showing versus showing it and calling it out and owning it so that we can grow through it. And I think through so many of the men's circles and father's circles that have joined, so many men are afraid of showing their families what they're actually experiencing because the not knowing is, is this fear. It's like, I, I should know. I should know what to do. I should know how to feel. And I don't, therefore I'm not good enough. And I, I better pretend. And I'm like, that's where I'm like, okay, so it's okay not to know. How can I embrace that, but then choose a new path? in the midst of having to support my kid and my wife and my family and do personal growth and run businesses. Like how can I address and face what's really coming up and be exposed and seeing like, this is me, this is me fully. You know, that's what I'm hoping to step more into and committed to stepping more into as I go on this journey. And, and I love hearing that from you because it's reiterating that that's the importance of this. Mm. Yeah, I find for me it goes back to just human being. How can I engage with the integral process of humanity in my life and not pretend to be a certain role? And of course, it's important to have that perspective that, yeah, I do have a role and responsibility as a father. And with my wife, as we've gone through that process, then we also just saw how we can really better support each other through that. In our last talk, we spoke about how when the child is born, at first, the mother is everything for the child. She's their whole universe. She provides the nourishment, the support. She is there with the child most of the time. And then gradually, so my son right now, he's three and a half year old. And we are starting to bond more and more with him together. And it's very timely that my second child came four months ago and then he's transitioning to being with me my wife is with our infant a lot of the time and it's really this process of recognizing okay i have certain roles in this evolution of the child as a human being and then sometimes well i want to spend more time with my child but then my wife she has priority over that and then I can support them in that knowing that my time will come, mm. right? So then at a certain point, we will have greater bonding and experiences. And 
then understanding that helps me be more at peace and also to engage with my part of this whole process where I can make sure that they have the space to do that and they are safe and protected in that. And my wife has the necessary support from me to be able to be in support of the children. Mm. I love that, man. So I want to touch on that a bit because that's the door that I'm going to be stepping into very soon. What was that role for you? Like, what advice would you give in terms of how I can best support personnel and my child when I'm not really needed in the intimate interaction of breastfeeding or, or the baby's going to be so focused on mom? Where do I find myself? Mm-hmm. When my wife was preparing to give birth for the first time, the, our midwife, she gave us this pointer. She said, well, you have to look in nature and into the examples of how the different animals act. So she said, look at the chickens and the roosters. So when the chicken, for example, is laying the eggs, the rooster is running around her and make sure that her space is safe and she's protected. True. And then she was like, okay, so when your wife is going to be in the process of giving birth, then be like that rooster. Don't try to give her advice or do different things and you can hold her, support her, but don't interfere in that process. Make sure that she has that safe space, both on the inner and outer levels. And that actually helped me a lot because then I had something to do. Because the worst part for me was to just not have anything to do and just sit there and wait and see my wife struggle and go through her process and not being able to do anything about it. So at least I could make sure that the space is set up, that everything is in place, that she wanted to have a warm bath at a certain point. So then I had this mission where I had to fill up this bath with a broken pipe and, and I was happy doing that. <laughs> it gave me something to do. And then of course, throughout the later time, then also just making sure that I have certain tasks and responsibilities. I can go to the store, I can get the food, I can make sure that there is things set up and ways for my wife to be supported in that way. And so, having certain perspective of what is my side of that, how I can still be in tune with the greater process mm. and be a part of that. And then of course, you know, when the child is screaming and yelling and yeah, my wife is much better equipped. You know, she has this motherly intuitive skill in this embedded intuition how to take care of them and how to work with them and how to actually bear with the screaming. Mm. Where for me at first it was completely unbearable. And I was able to recognize the inner child inside of me that I never really learned how to be with that was screaming. And it took me a while and at first I just had to get away from it. I could only bear up to a certain degree and then I had to take a time out. And it was important for me to acknowledge that and to admit my own limitations and to say, okay, I would like to bear more with that, to learn how to deal with that, but I can only bear this much and I can keep pushing my edges. And so then both of us, we had to really face our limitations and admit them to each other and see how we can support each other 
through our limitations. So that was also a big part of our parenthood journey. Yeah, man, I, I definitely feel that. I, I feel like there's a conversation that's been coming up in my bubble a lot recently, and that is like uh, around the, the scorecard that shows up in our relationships. Like, I did this, you didn't do that. Look at all these things I did. And I, I feel like that's just gonna get rocked here really soon for me, where like, it doesn't matter about the scorecard. I don't need to be collecting points to prove something. It sounds like for you, it was like, how can you be more supportive so that you and your wife can give the most love to your child? Like, you kind of have to, it sounds like you have to let go of that sense of self-importance and getting what you think you need or what you want out of the situation and making what you want, the, the providing of, of the support. Yeah, and definitely working together as a team to make sure that the support is available. In our Tibetan tradition, you can see the altar behind me, there is that union of wisdom and compassion. Mm. And that is something that has to develop from the basic care and support. And each one of us, when we are born, we are completely helpless. Completely helpless. And there has to be that care and support the masculine and the feminine on a very basic level for each of us to develop into a human being and so then to really make sure that, that basic care and support are available for the child and then to see okay so then in order for the care to be available there have to be certain conditions certain support there and in order for that support to be present then, of course, there has to be care as well that is directed to the support. And so then the father and the mother, the masculine and the feminine, and realizing that to the qualities within each one of us as well. So then, yeah, in order for me to be of support, I have to have a degree of care available. And I have to be able to take care of myself. I have to be able to take care of all of my own turmoils and all of the processes that are happening. Like I was saying before, I have to be able to hold my own child, my inner child first, that is kicking and screaming and doesn't want to do something and is trying to bargain and, you know, get something out of it. And I have to be able to actually acknowledge and recognize that child and to see, oh, there's that capricious child again. And I have to hold this child and I have to be with this child. And then I can also be with the circumstances around me because of that. But if I don't acknowledge this child and I say, no, I shouldn't really be thinking this. This is bad that I want to get away from this situation. This is bad that I cannot bear with my child screaming. This is bad that I cannot be of better support for my wife because I want to be in my own space for a little bit. And then it's just a vicious cycle from there because I start to suppress those tendencies that are actually asking for care from my own side. Wow. It's landing hard for me right now, for sure. <laughs> I'm curious of what parts of my inner child are going to be coming up, kicking and screaming, like you said 
I can I can feel into it a bit just as as you're saying it because I'm reflecting on it. But what tools would you recommend for fathers or or new expecting fathers to be able to bring that awareness to what's showing up inside of themselves so that they can care more for their child and their family? One of the tools is just breathing and taking the moment and tuning in. Just seeing, okay, this is what is coming up for me right now in this situation. And yeah, I don't have to react based. I don't have to run off. The more I acknowledge it, the more I can be present with it without running off. And seeing, yeah, there is this child part of me that is having difficulty with this situation. And... I can engage with this situation not just as something external or oh, this is my obligation and I just have to be there and just bare and green. And instead actually seeing, no, this situation is here to help me actually engage with this inner child. So one of the essential tools for me has been to see this connection between the inner and outer landscapes. To see that, yeah, everything that is coming up for me on the outside is helping me to become a better human being. It's helping me to reconcile everything that I have been avoiding in my life and all kinds of different issues that I have experienced with my own parents. And so this intention, in a way, to see that everything that is happening is an opportunity for me to reconcile. It's not just happening on the external level and it's happening randomly for me to run away from. But it's happening for me to actually connect the dots in my own life and to see that, yeah, I I see how my parents have acted and they didn't know any better. And they're also human beings and I'm a human being. And now I'm engaging with this process and now I have an opportunity to see how it is. And that allows me also to reconcile with my own parents Mm. and not to be harsh on them because of what happened to me in my life. Right. I love your perspective on bringing compassion to the inner child, as you put it, and your parents and like your journey through this. Because often I hear, I hear like, you know, we have the, the inner dialogue, the ego, the the inner child, as you're putting it, this voice that's, you know, kicking and screaming or trying to make deals or trying to manipulate the situation. And often I hear of like, you know, killing the ego or really like fighting against it. And I'm guilty of this where I can hear that voice being like, no, stay in bed, relax. You deserve to sleep in. And I'm like, no, you know, like I'm taking a stand for what I want. And that feels powerful for me, but I'm not bringing much compassion. I'm kind of like, shut up. I'll deal, you know, you won't get a voice in this. I'm choosing what I want. I'm going to embody and live that. And I want to hear your perspective on that because there's times where I'm like, yeah, I feel like a warrior getting up early and doing what I said I was going to do powerfully and not listening to that voice. But then Mm -hmm. what I hear from you is that that voice is a part of you. And if you can bring compassion to it, but not follow it necessarily, but that seems to be more of an effective approach for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I've been finding that it's essential to have the middle way 
to acknowledge that yeah there is the inner child within me but then there is also the parent within me and then how can i make this parent also more compassionate and compassion doesn't mean that i just have to be slacking or just uh, go easy compassion sometimes also okay in order to grow and evolve the compassion sometimes means a kick in the butt for myself and to see that yeah it doesn't make sense to keep acting in that same way and compassion has to come from a certain degree of clarity it's not just being emotional and whiny with myself but there has to be clarity okay well how can i really bring everything into account and recognize that in order for me to be of support i also have to have some basic care and support in my life and initially that was very hard for me when it all started at first yeah spending a whole day you know with a crying child and with my wife and then not having time for myself and then taking the time that time at night and then not getting enough sleep and so that was very hard also not being able to communicate clearly the needs that i had and yeah of course at some points i had to just do things and yeah things have to be done no matter what and then gradually i started noticing well why does it have to be a separation why do i have to run off and have space for myself and why can't i just bring that into the experiences that i'm having and so then gradually i started to see okay well i can actually engage in different situations and instead of having this attitude i just want to get it done so i can do something else to actually engage with it wholeheartedly and seeing this connection between the inner and the outer landscapes yeah while i'm doing this i'm taking care of my inner child i'm holding my outer child i'm taking care of my inner child as i do this and i engage in this situation and i can settle into this process instead of just wanting it to be over yeah and then as i'm doing it yeah just continuing to breathe and continue to bring myself back to the present moment and notice my monkey mind just starting to have a circus in my head around the subject and so definitely a sense of humor has helped a lot and even just to smile at my own turmoil and the drama that my mind was creating around different situations and then another thing is with my wife we had an agreement where we hold space for each other So if she's breaking down, I'm not going to break down together with her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold space for her. If I'm breaking down, she's not going to break down together with me. So one of us can hold space. Mm. And then we can actually let each other know I'm really breaking down right now. And I'm going through all of this. And then we can hold space for each other. And notice this ebbs and flows right mm-hmm. it's also important to acknowledge that yeah things pass it's not like they are like that all the time and then that also is helpful yeah to really work with each other in that way uh, there's a big point where you said the switch from having to like run away to take care of yourself and being able to to do that on the spot that's been a big fear of mine but also something I'm working through and I can see how powerful that's going to be that that mindset of like 
I need to bring that into my life always because it, it's, or it's going to be, I'm not going to bring my presence to my family because I'm always going to be thinking of, you know, once this is done, then I'll do that. And I'll be a bit resentful. And the other thing was holding that space and, and Cam's asking here, um, what if you're both in that sort of breakdown at the same time? How do you deal with that? Like, how do you navigate that agreement when you're both in the weeds? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of us has to actually rise to the occasion. So at a certain point, we start to notice this downward spiral, and then it gets to a certain threshold where we have to acknowledge it, and one of us has to actually rise to the occasion and say, okay, I see that both of us are breaking down, and this is what's happening. And just bringing that into the situation, just bring that acknowledgement, then often helps to see that, yeah, this is this time when we are both experiencing that. So let's cultivate more compassion for each other. Mm -hmm. And maybe if we cannot hold space for each other in that moment, we can take a few deep breaths and then keep engaging because it's not really the issue itself that is the problem but the attitude towards it yeah what attitude do we have in different situations towards different experiences and then towards each other and yeah sometimes it's important to just bring into awareness without trying to change what is happening okay so i am in the funk and I'm going through my drama and I just have to notice it and I have to be with it. And at a certain point, it just becomes ridiculous. I start to see how ridiculous I'm acting and how puffed up I get. And so then I can come back and I can say, yeah, I've been going through this drama and I see that it's silly and I appreciate noticing that and bringing it to my attention because I do want to work with that and I do wish to transform those kind of situations in my life and notice where I get carried off and carried away. And what you said also, just seeing that having a child is a motivation to become a better human being. And for me, it was also a very important intention before my first child was born and brought a lot for me and it was just this period of a lot of reconciliation that was taking place mm -hmm. and then so the child was born and so i was already deep into that intention yeah i really want to keep engaging with fatherhood as an evolutionary journey and i want to keep seeing all the ways that i'm blind that i get carried off in my mind that i just lose patience and become capricious and I have to notice this inner child that has not gotten that attention in my life, that has not really learned how to engage with situations in a better way. And so then, even when a breakdown is happening, even when I'm in a funk or in a drama, it's good in a way because I want to see those situations so that I can work with them. And you asked for it. <laughs> I asked for it, for sure. And so yeah, it's uncomfortable, it's unpleasant, and I'm upset and dramatic, but I have asked for it. And so then to actually have that intention 
ahead of time was really uh, beneficial in my experience. Yeah, man. I, I think that like, you know, obviously becoming a father, starting a family is deeply ingrained in us biologically, but also socially, right? We're, it's, it's one of the checks on the list of life that we're here to do. And there's a lot of pressure to do it, but also it just happens. Not all of us are like, let's plan and let's conceive in this moment, blah, 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 blah. And even if that happens, it's kind of like, whoa, I wanted this, but I didn't really know what I was stepping into. And just having you share about that awareness around like, yeah, I asked for this. And like, this is what I'm signing up for. I'm signing up for a deeper discovery of myself. I'm signing up for seeing how much more I can grow in my capacity for life and for love and compassion. You know, that, like, to just to be frankly honest, like, that's exciting the hell out of me is just to see, like, whoa, how am I going to show up? What is going to come up? And how am I going to deal with that? Fear is starting to shed off a little bit because it feels like I'm stepping into ceremony soon. Like, it, I'm so committed to it. I'm going into it. That's happening. So letting go of, like, the fears of it not getting it right or the fears of not knowing what to do are starting to release because I'm like, I know that I'm going to have the awareness to face myself in the situation. I'm going to, I'm going to be in the funk and I'm going to have breakdowns and that's part of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And so then of course, a big part of that is also to see all of my limitations mm -hmm. and all of the ways that I'm, not so capable of dealing with the different experiences. And then from that, also discovering a greater sense of relatedness and kindness and tolerance. Because I can begin to engage and accept my own discomfort and my own suffering in a way. And so then the more that I can do that, the more that I can actually see that, yeah, this is something that other people have to deal with as well. My parents had to deal with that. Of course, now when I see like my children acting in all kinds of ways and are being capricious and screaming and yelling and throwing tantrums and meltdowns. And I remember how I was a difficult child when I was little. I gave my parents a lot of trouble. And so I, I'm able to find a newfound respect for my parents, a new sense of appreciation, what they had to go through to raise me. And that actually created a deeper bond with my parents. And then because of that bond, I'm able to step beyond my boundaries. Right? So just acknowledging my limitations creates the relatedness. And then through that relatedness, I can surpass those limitations. I can see that, yeah, this is the experience that my parents have had with me and they also didn't know and they knew even less than me probably. And I can have at least this connection and this relatedness and recognition. And so there is a certain spaciousness that is developed. It's not just my experience. I'm not the only one who feels limited and overwhelmed and at capacity mm -hmm. and because i can see that i'm not the only one and others also engage with that and experience that 
then I don't take it as personally. It's not my drama anymore. It's just the basic human experience. It's not my drama. Everyone faces their limitations. And so the least I can do is to do it consciously and to see that, yeah, here I am breaking down and it's natural to break down at this moment. And then at the same time, because this is what everyone are going through, I can actually have a little bit extra awareness mm -hmm. and see how I can break down more creatively and how I can do it more gracefully. It's this process of fail, fail again, and fail better. Yeah. And so then I can do it a little bit better and I can do it in a way that is more supportive of everyone else and with greater compassion and understanding of this process, both for myself and others. And so then it's not this my drama that is happening, mm. but I can let go of my drama and then with less drama, there is greater potential as well that is coming to the surface. For sure. I see that like, I see the benefits obviously of bringing that awareness to what's coming up for you and then how that interacts with the outer world and the intimate family. How about in your intimate relationship, like with your, with Cynthia and with your family? Cause this is something that's coming up for me is we're going to have this child. It's going to demand a lot of energy and care. How do you maintain that and this bond and intimate relationship with the two of us without getting so caught up in the to do, got to do the thing, got to take care of the baby. There's, you know, again, we'll do that once we will take care of the relationship once the baby's sleeping or once the thing is cleaned or once all these things are taken care of. And then it never happens because that's a fear of mine coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in my own experience, the relationship also had to change. It was no longer just the relationship between the two of us. It was a relationship with our family and also a relationship between the mother and the father. And of course, a lot of it had to do with friendship. So how can we continue a relationship that is based on friendship first and foremost, instead of a relationship as a couple. Mm -hmm. And so to keep being friends to each other, to keep being supportive of each other. And yeah, the relationship has many different phases to it. And so in my experience, it was important to have this friendship, the evolutionary friendship that we are friends, we are going through this intense experience together. Our lives are changing. They'll never be the same again. We're no longer living just for our own sake. And now we actually have to take that on as part of our daily practice mm -hmm. and honor each other as human beings and as friends. And then with the friendship as a foundation, then of course there is the intimate part and the intimate relationship and the relationship with the kids. But it was very important in my experience to really focus on the friendship. We both are facing the same situation together. It's not like the, we are looking at each other, but we are looking in the same direction together. And then we are both changing and we can support each other in coming out of our old patterns 
and old habits and old habitual traits and ways that we engage with the world. And so that actually brought us closer together. Okay. I love that. And I'm curious because, you know, a lot of the, what I've been exploring lately is this polarity, right? Within relationships and within the masculine and feminine energies within us and also in our relationships. And when you said that our relationships based on friendship first and foremost, that I kind of like tinged my tower. because I'm thinking like, how do you create that the attraction when you're in friendship mode? And then how do you transition from that friendship mode into lover mode? Because for me, I find it not only in this relationship, but in past relationships, it goes in this lover attraction and then into, you know, friendship relation, uh, roommate phase. And then it's kind of like how, how to climb out of that. I can only imagine having a child um, kind of extends that period. So when you say friendship, yeah, I'm really curious how you create the romantic, uh, intimate attraction that, that has polarity. Mm -hmm. I got you. Yeah, you know, it's a tricky one. And in today's world, a lot of people, they have this perspective of needing to be in the fantasy world. Okay, I'm a god and she's a goddess and we are a god and a goddess and then we have bills to pay and we have work to do and we have all kinds of tasks that need to be done, but we are this god and a goddess and then we can't really talk to each other about the mundane responsibilities of life because we are in this fantasy. And so in my experience, it's important to actually drop that in terms of everyday life and relate to each other as human beings. We are in a way co-pilots, right? We have to make sure that we are able to navigate this spacecraft and not crash and burn. And for that, we have to drop all appearances and be practical with each other and support each other in that practicality and acknowledge that, yeah, we all have our downfalls and we all have our weaknesses. And then in order for us to sustain the family unit, we have to engage with it on that level as friends. And then, of course, when it's uh, the intimate time and we have a time dedicated to ourselves, then we can engage in all kinds of fantasy games and, and roles and be the god and the goddess. So there's time and place for everything. Mm -hmm. And I see that it's important to have that distinction where we don't lose ourselves in this fantasy and then I just want this person to be that for me. I want her to be that perfect someone at all times, but she's her own person. She also has the masculine and the feminine within her. She also has certain emotions and processes and responsibilities and the same thing with myself. And so then to really have this relationship between friends as a foundation where we can acknowledge that, yeah, we have to go through it. And my wife, I don't always like it the way that she does things and 
she doesn't always show her good side and that's not why i'm with her right because <laughs> then the fantasy would break really fast if i want her to be a goddess all the time for me mm -hmm. because my own inner qualities are lacking and i need her to compensate it for me then it's not really a healthy relationship and it will break down Mm -hmm. But if we have this understanding that, yeah, we all go through our phases and we all have our difficulties and challenges and she may need more time sometimes to process something, I may need more time, or there may be like a serious issue that is coming up within our relationship. So also for me, in our friendship, if there is something that is coming up, so like for years, something that is coming up and... It keeps coming up and it keeps coming up and it's not really being engaged and acknowledged and sometimes i have seen myself also just try to block it and compensate it with mm -hmm. the fantasy okay well maybe we'll just have sex and it will resolve everything but yeah, it doesn't yeah right so then the friendship part also is important to just see that yeah each of us has our own growth to do has our own evolution to engage with and then we don't want to compensate for each other and just block it so it, it doesn't happen mm. and then for me when i experience this sincerity and the willingness to engage in the evolutionary journey that's actually very attractive for me that's more attractive to me than having some kind of an unrealistic fantasy mm that that i keep trying to recreate yeah i and i hear you completely on that like for me i can feel when i tap into that there's this inner child part of me that's you know wanting something from her but that's also terrified of her rejection of me so which keeps me more in this friendship level because that's safe for me like for me personally um, I can be an amazing friend and amazing doer taking care of things, but for me to elevate to like a place where I'm more excited and bringing more energy of playfulness and dance and spontaneity, that's a, an edge for me that I constantly back down from. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? That, I, that I'm wanting to create a, that culture for my family because I actually asked this question in a men's group a couple of weeks ago, like we were doing a meditation and I was guiding the men to look and remember how their parents interacted and how they experienced intimacy through their parents. And six out of 10 guys were like, I don't remember really any interaction that way. And others were like, it wasn't the healthiest memory. And same goes for me. Like, I don't remember my parents only a few times where they were like playfully, romantically, engaged and that's important to me you know to have that but that's also friendship being able to like spontaneously just follow your expression and not hold back like there's this moment that happens for a lot of us where we the hurt child again is kind of like don't do that because remember way back a time when we were really hurt or we were rejected or we were shamed for doing that that holds us back from that evolution within our relationship and of course, that's our own personal evolution is to get through that. But there's still this mask 
for me anyways, where I'm playing the good boy that's, you know, a, a fantastic roommate, but not an incredible lover. And I, and I want to be that, that type of a father. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. And it's a challenging one. And for me, I had to go through a few breakdowns in order to get to the point where it's just going through that again and again. And then at a certain point, something just snapping in me mm. and just not being able to go by the book or to play it in that way. And as I shared earlier, to really bring that experience of playfulness or not going by the scenario mm. into the mundane circumstances and to have that extra spark of creativity to bring into the difficult situations. Okay, yeah, everything's falling apart. There's diapers everywhere. The child is screaming. Now we have two children screaming at the same time. And then how can I come into this situation with a smile? Mm -hmm. And how can I bring a little bit more playfulness and sense of humor into it instead of just being dragged along with it or just try to hold it with this kind of serious expression on my face? Something had to just at a certain point, I could no longer just keep behaving by the book. And then, yeah, my real self had to come through and then see that, yeah, I don't want to just play this by some kind of a scenario. Yeah. And I'm going to step away from the scenario and engage with it in a more creative, in a more meaningful, in a more playful way. And also in a way that can be supportive. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you mentioned. It's like this collective drama that may be unfolding where there's this domino effect of one thing breaking after another and things don't go the way that they that we expect them to go and our schedule is not aligning and all of that is happening and then i know how my personality is rigid that gets dragged into this drama and so then yeah definitely it had to happen to me quite a few times before i started noticing and then could actually acknowledge it as it and then not go along with it for the ride. And then say to myself, you know what? I've been through this roller coaster ride a few times already. So how about I smile instead of freaking out? And how can I engage with this situation? Not in such a kind of expected type of response. Yeah. Predictable. Yeah. Right. That seems like the key to me is that trying to follow what we're all, you know, the steps that we're already in the snow constantly mm -hmm. and then wanting, you know, it seems obvious as I'm saying it, but wanting something different or wanting a new experience, but doing the same thing over and over again. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's also coming up for me in terms of this. There's something around like having to know, like I know the results. I'm familiar with the results. If I continue doing what I'm doing, there's safety in that you know, perceived mm -hmm. at least. There's mm -hmm. also this like addiction to trying to know everything to be prepared for this child that's on its way, right? And then mm -hmm. wanting to know how my partner is going to respond if I take that spontaneous risk. 
there's something for me around this addiction to knowing that's prohibiting me from really expanding into myself more. And I'm, I'm not saying that I'm like content with that or complacent. I'm trying to always push that boundary, but I keep hitting this, this spot where I'm wanting that explosion through, but I'm, I'm like, well, the, the familiar comfort muck over here is it's giving me something. Right. Yeah, definitely. And it's this process of just facing the impermanence, facing the uncertainty and recognizing that that's actually the nature of reality. Mm. And then, yeah, I'm less likely to actually have hissy fit about it or be a drama queen yeah. in my life. And so then seeing that, yeah, here it goes again. And here I am reacting and I'm responding to it in a very this predictable way. And then I can start by just smiling at myself within it and yeah. have a sense of humor and to be able to laugh at myself, right? Is this the sense of humor is not the ability to tell a joke. It's the ability to take a joke. Yeah. Yeah. There is a joke that is happening on my account right <laughs> now. I can take that joke and I can smile. That's the first thing that I can do is to smile and not to beat myself up about it and not to be so harsh then I can actually engage with the situation, right? Otherwise, I can see that in different people that I know in my life who have not been able to engage with fatherhood in this more conscious way and then had to act in this very predictable manner and be this certain role for their family and then not be able to engage with their emotions and feelings and then suppress them and then as a result, just maybe running away from their family or having all kinds of substance abuse issues or different things, all because of this part of oneself that is not acknowledged, that is not taken into the equation, into the account. And so then how can I acknowledge all of those aspects of myself? Like you were saying before, to really see that, yeah, this is who I am and it all comes together and I cannot just be this one-sided character in a movie mm. that is fulfilling the role. There is more to me that has to come through. And then I can also acknowledge that with myself and also with my wife and with my children. I don't have to run off in order to do that yeah. or to find a place for this part of me that has no place in this situation. And so with my son also, it was very useful where I started telling him, you know, Papa gets grumpy too sometimes. Mm. And then I can actually notice myself doing that and he also can recognize it. And then I don't have to unconsciously act it out or have this anger that is not expressed or like this stressful behavior that is very tense. So then I can loosen up and actually approach it creatively. And I love it with my older son. When he started to engage with his emotions, he like just started to be creative. And so when he was angry, he would sing an angry song. He was like... And that was amazing for me to witness. Yeah, it's possible to bring creativity and 
this playfulness into all of those emotions that I've been struggling in my life and was very serious about. <laughs> but then to actually act it out, and he loves it when I can play with him in that way and I feel that something is not working out and I get frustrated, but then I can sing about it and I can be playful in that way. So then I can bring that part of myself and not make it into such a big issue. Yeah, that's really powerful to me is the being able to bring it up to the surface and name it. And it takes the power away from it. It allows you the opportunity to be seen with it, but also to choose a different path. Like telling your son and talking about it makes the, such a big difference because it's also allowing him to see that that's okay. It's okay to be angry. And then we we can dance or sing through it, and then we're into the next experience. And most of us haven't been taught how to process that. So at first, I want to honor you for doing that, because I think that that's a very powerful, intentional move on your part and a good way to support your son and your family. Something that came up for me as you were saying that is, I might not get this exactly right, but another teacher of mine shares that life consciousness and stepping into fatherhood is about learning to dance but we can't limit ourselves by just learning to dance to one song because the song of life is constantly going to change and if you're caught trying to do the tango when the song is different you're going to feel completely off right, right. so so learning different dance moves to be able to adapt and when the song shifts you're into a different dance and that to me is like this being able to accept the situation and pivot and continue your awareness and your leadership into the moment through creativity. Like that's just such a powerful metaphor for me stepping into something that I'm like, I know I don't know and I'm not going to know, but I'm willing to adapt and pivot and, and dance to this. And, and I feel like that also relates to showing up in our relationships through the chaos, through those meltdowns, through the funk that you were talking about being able to see it, see and feel your inner child that's, that's wanting something and then sing that song with them or dance that dance to that song through the moment, whether you're crying in sorrow or you're angry or frustrated or you're like joyous and happy, like being present through it and willing to move through it is leadership and fatherhood. And as, you, as I say that, it's really powerful to feel into yeah, definitely. And so I find that, of course, yeah, all of that is present. And then to actually navigate life through all of that and then include all of those things into the equation and to see that, yeah, we have the family unit to support and there is something that is very serious about it and very practical. And at the same time, as we are doing it, we don't have to be so dramatic and so serious and so we can actually support each other in that way and encourage each other to uplift our moods as we do that mm -hmm. and so then actually we can engage with life even more effective way and support our families it's like boosting the morale right yeah. we have to keep boosting the morale and engage in different ways that allows us to do that. I totally agree, man. I think that's incredible advice. And 
it goes back to that we are the culture of our relationship. Like what we bring to it is what we get out of it. So by bringing that creativity and boosting morale, like it's going to serve us. What's holding us back in those moments is our self-importance or our, or our scorecard that we're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And then, of course, another part of it is just to see how everything, again, is a reflection of the inner work that has to be done. And so then, yeah, seeing that, yeah, I want something to be present in my life, in my family, in my relationship, and I want my wife to be someone for me or to do something for me. And then also seeing how essential it is for me to actually take responsibility for that. And then to bring that to the table, right? So whatever I expect, then I should provide. And so that was also a big one for me. So then if I expect more understanding and more patience for myself, then it will not happen unless I start also working on that and showing more of that. And so then it was related to the scorecard that you mentioned. So yeah, instead of like trying to make scores, instead to see that, yeah, I can do something in that regard. And if I want my wife to stop doing something or to stop Uh, being a certain way or to start being a certain way, then I I have to look at myself first and foremost. Where am I not being that way? And then, yeah, 99.9% of the time I find it in myself and I see how, yeah, I just blindly expect it. And actually I'm lacking. I think that maybe I have it in a certain area but then in, in a lot of other areas, I lack that quality mm. that I expect my wife to also have in the same area that I do. Yeah. Man, that's big. <laughs> and then, of course, that points me to my own shortcomings and things that I really have to work on myself and I don't want to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And then I have this capricious child that I just want to complain and not take responsibility for something. Yeah. And when I notice it and I actually take responsibility for it and I still have to work on it, of course, just taking responsibility doesn't just make it perfect, but just noticing it and admitting to that and acknowledging and talking about that with Cynthia and then, yeah, I find that there's much greater connection and relatedness and understanding. And then we become much more supportive of each other in that way. Yeah, like bridging the expectations and assumptions with actual communication so that you can connect and create. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just trying to think of, yeah, there's like, certain moments where maybe um, we have an argument or we have a certain issue or a situation and then I start to present my case right to the 
to the court and I started to just talk about all of those things and how it's like that and it's like that and it's like that and and then yeah I can come back after a while and just vulnerably share that yeah you know I've been going through my difficulties and I've been experiencing this scarcity mentality and unable to show generosity to my wife and my family and I'm sorry for doing that because before that even though I was experiencing this kind of like clenching and disturbance but I was trying to project it mm-hmm. and yeah there are different issues but the charge that I bring into them is not about those issues it's about my own unresolved things and just being able to admit that actually has made a big difference in our connection in our relationship in our ability to just raise our children and support them in a more healthy way. Yeah, that to me sounds like taking responsibility is being mm-hmm. like, oh, what I'm bringing to this is my own. Making meaning out of everything and then realizing you're doing that and then choosing another way. <laughs> bringing compassion again to the part of you that has that charge so you can release it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's taking responsibility and admitting that, yeah, this is an issue that I have and this is what I really wish to work on. And even just honestly saying that and vulnerably admitting to that makes me much more accountable than if I just hold it to myself and like, no, I really need to work on that and I can't show this side of myself and that's it and I'm just going to pretend like there is nothing happening here. But if I actually admit about it, then, yeah, it makes me more accountable. And also there is softness around it where it's not, I'm not so harsh on myself and it's this embrace of the inner child and then parenting of the inner child that is happening on simultaneously. Yeah. Man, it's good stuff. Well, I think we could wrap it up here. Uh-huh. My friend just wrote... My friend Ira wrote, Ron, this is a great team that you have taught me and it's really helpful. Instead of blaming others for treating us bad, look at what's going on with ourselves that might be causing this behavior from others. And so, yeah, definitely, that's a big one. It's this continuous reflection and then recognizing that, yeah, there is something for each of us to learn in each moment. That's one thing that I can trust in each moment, that there is something to learn. It's not random. It's not happening just because the world is against me. And that's a big one for me to keep reminding myself, right? Every time that I'm in the midst of it and everything is crashing down and I have to remind myself, no, there's a message here. There is great love here of the universe that is wanting for me to evolve. And I have to really open up and tune in into this message and take it to heart. And so then, yeah, I find that life becomes beautiful. It's a great message to finalize on. I think it absolutely relates to everything that we've been talking about around fatherhood and accepting and bringing compassion to your inner child and yourself so that you can evolve beyond victimhood and the judge that lives within us and actually provide and experience the experience that you're wanting to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Something that is continuously evolving and 
there are all kinds of situations and sometimes it's down and up and sometimes it's failure and then there is a lesson from it so yeah so it's a very all-inclusive type of experience awesome man well thanks again for bringing your wisdom and heart and it's good to see you down in peru again yeah yeah we are very happy to be back here yeah and preparing for the upcoming retreat i have a few days to spend with my family i'm gonna go try to have a bicycle ride with my son right now amazing love it man i'm deeply grateful for these conversations and let's let's keep doing them i'm learning so much and i'm i'm excited how to see how i can put them into practice in the next month or whenever baby chooses to arrive yeah definitely many blessings for the new arrival and for you and chanel much love to you guys and yeah right now it's kind of like this volcano that is about to explode that's how i felt with both of my kids right before they came there's a lot of anticipation that is happening and then the experience comes and it's just a miracle and yeah it's just such a such an amazing experience and awakening and each time i felt like i was being born anew so many blessings to you and Chanel this time and for our next conversation maybe we can engage with our community and ask people to really share some of their experiences and critical questions and some of the situations and yeah we'll keep developing the subject i love it i agree keep supporting all the men in our lives so that they can be of support their families as well love it thanks brother okay thank you everyone for watching much love be well Thank you for joining us. If you have found value in what we have shared, we welcome donations in order to continue this service. To make a donation or to ask a question, visit our website at www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. May all beings be happy and free.